Today's episode is presented by Yelp. Yelp's mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They also offer great solutions for restaurants looking to streamline their front of house and increase sales. Millions of diners are already using Yelp, and these products are a great way to capitalize on that network. Head over to restaurants.yelp.com to claim your free page and learn more about these powerful tools for your business. Now here we go. Yeah, it was a really hard time, like, maxed out my credit cards, didn't pay my taxes for a couple years. I just took a lot of like personal risk in order to make it happen. And, you know, thank God I can sit up here and say, oh, it was totally worth it because I, I, it could have very easily gone the other way. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. The only way we're going to get through this is to get through it together. If I can help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to joshcopel.com forward slash chat. Also be sure to check out the Full Comp Restart Guide packed with valuable resources and strategies from Yelp, Cornell University, and Oyster Sunday. Go to joshcopel.com forward slash resources for your free download. Didn't write that down? Don't worry, there are links to both in the show notes. We've covered countless pivots on the show, but today I wanted to try something different. Today we chat with Crystal Mobiani, the founder of Bento Box. Crystal and her team created a plug-and-play website design service designed for our industry. She's been touting the importance of an online experience for restaurants since long before the pandemic. So there was no need to pivot. Retail, online ordering, and so much more were readily available through Bento Box. And during this time of great struggle, I see tremendous value in talking with visionaries like Crystal that created solutions to problems we didn't even know we had. We begin today with the birth of Bento Box. Around the time that I started Bento Box, I had been thinking about, you know, I'd been designing for a while. I kind of had like a small consultancy, um, but I really wanted to do like something bigger and really start like a business. And I contemplated going to business school because I thought that would like bring me to an idea. And I and I had all kinds of like um, dumb ideas around like, I don't know, music apps and social and things that people go through. But um, t- starting to work with restaurants is I, I was just so passionate about what they were doing. And, and, you know, I, I always say that they've given me some of the best experiences of my life. And, um, I really knew how to help. And I was like, this is so, such a no brainer for me to like build a business around something that I like actually really love and, and a group of people that I'm so like smitten with in, in some way, you know? Um, so that it, it was very, very much a natural evolution, I'd say. But how did you get over that hurdle? Like, there are a lot of people that love restaurants, and, and I, I've read a bunch of background, and I know that, I know that you are like authentically smitten by restaurants. <laughs> um, but, but we're, like, we're pirates, and the the failure rate is hard, is high. We're hard to work with. Uh, most restaurants don't make any money, so they don't really have any money to give you. Like, how did you get over that that mental hurdle that you want to serve people? that probably don't want the help and don't have the money mm-hmm. to pay you. Like, you know, because it's an investment, right? Like the business itself was yeah. an investment in your time and in your effort and your money. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, you, you paint this picture, but for me, I saw just kind of like, you know, roses and wine glasses and like, you know, I, didn't, <laughs> I you know, I, I, I really only saw the good parts and, and maybe when you, maybe it's just like kind of being in love, you know, you don't see the problems with all, you know, with the other person, you only see all their good parts. And, and that's kind of what I, what I saw. Um, and then I think that, you know, I think that authenticity and that like genuine interest in being able to help, I, I, I feel like it was felt by the other side. And I think restaurants were really frustrated by what was going on in technology and, um, you know, and, and not being able to like navigate it properly and not having the insights and having to rely on, you know, all these different systems. And so I would say that there was an openness to receive the help when it came from a place of like genuine care and like interest, you know? Absolutely. I spent, I think three or $4,000 on my first website for the first bar that I owned in, in Hollywood. And I hated it and I didn't really understand it and I couldn't really use it. It was, it was was nightmarish. Uh, Your your publicist uh, forwarded me your bio, which Mm -hmm. is just this, this series of one great success after the next, which, which (laughs) I I would like to think that my bio sounds the same way. Um, So you pay them for, you know, exactly. (laughs) Um, but I, I also know like one entrepreneur to another that it's not right. Like it's a series of yeah. huge successes and like heart wrenching failures. And, you know, yeah. as, as we look at what COVID-19 has done to the hospitality industry, um, we, we see that, you know, more important than being smart or savvy or having hustle, it's about being resilient. Can yeah. you think of another time in your life outside of COVID where you were dealing with like huge professional hurdles and what you did to overcome those? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I would say that, you know, I started the business back in, um, 2013, um, is when we launched the first version of the platform and I kind of bootstrapped it, meaning that I, you know, kind of used my own money and didn't have like investors and, um, to be able to like grow the business, um, for the first two years. And those two years were really hard. And, you know, I tell the story, um, the narrative is like, oh, in 2015 is when we decided to really invest in the business and grow the business. But the reality is is those two years, it's like, I couldn't get anybody to invest in the business. I couldn't get anyone to believe in it. And when I say anyone, I, I mean more of like the, you know, venture capital kind of world, um, or anyone that would invest. Um, because, you know, um, why, why do restaurant websites matter? You know, restaurant failure rate is high. How big of a market is this? And, you know, my background was in design. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared to like answer these questions and I had never put together a business model before or, um, anything. And, um, but I think that I had the thing that got me through through the resilience. I mean, there was a general, just a genuine like curiosity to learn it. I really, um, I enjoy being bad at something and then the process of getting good at it and then Mm -hmm. finding my way to get good at it. Um, and so having a genuine interest and curiosity in that is kind of 
the thing that, that kept me going day to day. Um, but yeah, it was a really hard time. Like maxed out my credit cards, didn't pay my taxes for a couple of years. It just took a lot of like personal risk in order to make it happen. And, you know, thank God I can sit up here and say, Oh, it was totally worth it. <laughs> Cause I, I, it could have very easily gone the other way. Um, yeah. but, but it was, um, in the moment, I think it's really important to make, even though when things are hard, if you like kind of see yourself as a victim, then it's really hard to get through those times. And yeah. I've always just kind of never seen myself that way. I've always felt like I've got the power to get through any situation. And I think that's what kind of drove me through to get through that like very difficult time. That totally resonates with me. Yeah. Um, for sure. I mean, it's, you know, you're, yeah. you're always on the brink of success or disaster and it's impossible to tell which one yeah. it is and, and until, you know, that, that amazing moment or terrible moment. Yeah. yeah it sounds building, like you've taken a lot of risks for your business too. Oh yeah. 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 Always, you know, for me, the guiding light has always been to be of service. It's the one thing yeah. that I'm really passionate about. And, and for me to go from, serving my community through restaurants and bars and fast casual concepts to pivoting yeah. to serving the industry. It's, I mean, for me, it's not that far of a leap. You know, I'm just looking, yeah. I've spent my life looking for holes to fill, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you um, yeah. because I feel like you've done a really great job of that with, with Bento Box. When, when you were looking to build out the company, were there other companies you looked to for inspiration that you were like, they're doing a great job of serving the industry? I, I want to do that. Or were you looking outside of the industry and you were able to say, oh, you know, this company's got a great model. We can adopt that for what we're trying to do. Hmm. Yeah, there, I would say mostly looking outside of the industry. And I would say like two companies that always really stood out to me that I thought had great business models and great brands. Um, and we're doing very similar things were, um, First, obviously Shopify and, you know, how they've grown their business and, and the tools they provide. And then um, secondly is MindBody. I don't know if you know MindBody, but it's like, I don't. it's, it's, um, it's very similar. You've probably used it before and you don't know. And I think that, and that statement is, is kind of how I feel about BentoBox too. I, I, I think that probably everyone has used BentoBox before mm -hmm. as a diner, but they don't know. And actually that's the point because we want you to have a relationship with the restaurant and the restaurant's brand. Um, and so MindBody is a very similar platform for spas, salons, fitness um, institutions as well. Um, but yeah, I think that the way that both of those platforms really empower the business owner um, and the business owner's brand um, is something that, you know, has been a guiding kind of ethos in terms of how we've grown Bento Box. Right on. You know, one of the ways that I've been able to survive and pivot and thrive through all of this is mentorship. Yeah. Uh, I, I have an amazing mentor that's, been there to, to help like streamline my focus, help me pare down. Has mentorship played a role in your life? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've historically been one of those people that has been terrible asking for help. Just, just really, really bad at it. And, you know, I can do anything on my own. And, and um, it's something that I've like actively worked on changing. 
Um, and the few mentors I would say that I have now, and they're more like advisors of the company. They're ones who are very proactive with me. Like they check in and they're like, how's it going? And, um, and it's not really relying on me because I won't actually ever reach out to them. So there have been, you know, a couple people who have, you know, who are official advisors to the company, but I see them very much as, as my mentors as well. And, but it's been a learning experience. I'm not great at it. I, I, I wish I was better at it. The hospitality industry is built on trust and referral. And it's hard to get into. And you were coming from outside the industry. Uh, how did you get your first 25 clients? How did you break through that wall? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I hate saying I hate saying this, but I really got lucky, you know. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the first restaurant that I ever worked with, um, which is not a current, uh, currently a bento box customer or has never been actually, um, but it's one that I worked with kind of when I was a designer and I was doing consulting work. Somebody that I went to high school with went to college with someone that was little person at this restaurant group, a very large, well-known restaurant group that was tasked with like redoing their website. So that's like, that was the first time you know and they're like do you know anyone that does websites and oh my friend you know I got the intro and I and I and I put together like a proposal and and I got it and then since then everything was word of mouth you know the first 25 you know working with um the meatball shop and then union square hospitality group and then happy cooking hospitality um all of those were just word of mouth because it was just me and like you said the hospitality industry is one of sharing. It's one of, do you know a guy? Um, and, uh, and that goes a long way. You do right by one, two, three, four people. And then all of a sudden you're working with like over 5,000 restaurants, you know? And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I, I really think it's an industry that values, you know, just a job well done more than, more than, more than others. I'd say. I, I'm going to bridge and go, off script for a second. I, I turned 41 yesterday. And Happy birthday. one of the, well, thank you. Uh, and, and I spent my birthday typically looking back and then looking forward, just trying to figure out. And obviously, 40 was a very eventful year, what with yeah. you know, the closure of my restaurant, a global pandemic, mm-hmm. all of these, you know, moving to a different city. Uh, crazy. Uh, it's crazy. I'm crazy for everybody. Uh, but I, I'm so blessed to be in the position I'm in. But a year ago, I could have never imagined that I would be where I am today. The goal was always to get here. My, uh, my yeah. in-laws live out here. So the goal was always to get to San Diego. But even though the destination was always the destination that I had in mind, whether it be you know, the show, providing content and value to the industry, I could have never imagined the path to get here. And yeah. you know, when you look at, you know, and the reason I bring it up is because you just mentioned the fact that like you were able to start and grow your company based off random circumstance. You knew someone that knew yeah. someone that knew something. <laughs> and when I look at my entrepreneurial path, it's always been that, right? Yeah. And so how does that inform the way you lead your company? Because it's weird, right? Because yeah. it's, you set a path, but then there has to be flexibility because you never know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Well, I think um, I think that the most important thing 
like you're totally right that you have to be flexible and you have to go off script and you got to, you know, make your own path because you don't know what's going to happen. But I think that regardless of that, to ensure that the, that those like things that led to me kind of getting those first two, three, 25 up to like 50 restaurants that really like I kind of got um, through just like word of mouth those things have kind of evolved to be what we call our principles of the company. And we're like very mission driven. We're very, um, you know, rooted in these principles. And, you know, the first one, for example, is serve the customer. And that's like, and in describing that it's trust, trust the customer more than you trust yourself. And there's these like kind of little mantras that we have put into the fabric of our business um, that, even when I'm not there, like constantly like telling people, you know, this is the right path forward. This is the right path forward. This is where we, we don't budge. This is where we're flexible. You can always like lean on, on these principles, um, that, that we established probably like three or four years ago. And it's, and it's, it's a little embarrassing to say how much the principles are sort of a manifestation of me in some way, but I guess that's the reality of it. You know, it is what it is, even though it's, it's a little like embarrassing to admit. Um, but this is really an extension helpful. of I, self I would, though, right? You're able to look at your business yeah. and see yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, in some way, I, I think I just hope that it's like bigger than me and that so many people have contributed and, and, I, I don't want to like lose sight of that and make it be so like self-involved. And I know that's not what you were saying, but I'm very like acutely aware of it. But I would, um, even though it's like a really painful, difficult process to go through, I would, um, I wouldn't say that it's important to establish a mission and values slash principles like day one or even year one, because you're still figuring it out. You don't even know what they are. Oh, yeah. But I would say like after a couple of years, I think it's really important after you start like, hiring more than like I don't know 10 people it's really important to establish them because you're not going to it's like your way of kind of scaling yourself you know mm-hmm. yeah the industry is in, in a really interesting time in the way that it, it's I, when I interviewed David Meltzer he said that we're in a period of expedited change and, yeah. and I see it in the industry where you know, over the last six months and over the next four months, we'll see more change in 10 months than we've seen in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And restaurateurs seem way more likely to change. Consumers seem way more flexible than they've ever been. Um, and I'm wondering how has Bento Box changed or, or capitalized on this huge evolution within the industry? Yeah, there's, there's some way um, that I would say that Bento Box was almost like built for this there's definitely pivots that we've taken which i'll talk about but in some way like just touting like your online presence you having control of your online presence you making sure that you can make money online off premise like this whole idea that we've been talking about for years it's just like okay this is why um and it's not because of a pandemic but i think fundamentally people's behaviors are going to change like mm-hmm. like you said and um and but do it but it happening in a way that is like still retains what's so great and special about the the um hospitality industry and that is kind of the uniqueness of every concept and it's not like you know uh, 
going on Uber, for example, and like sitting down at a restaurant. I don't think that's exactly what it should be. I think it should be you interacting with the restaurant's brand from the beginning to the end, the same way that you walk in the door, the same way that you do it online. Um, and that's that's kind of what we've been helping restaurants with from the beginning. So in some way, I would say we were like made for this, we were built for this, and and um, our business because of that has grown since the pandemic happened, which um, we're very, very fortunate to be in that position. And then there were some like pivots that we made around focusing on online ordering um, and e-commerce, and then also starting to think about, okay, what does this dine-in experience look like? And how do how can we help restaurants um, keep their employees safe, drive down their operational costs, um, make diners gain trust with diners and just create a much more seamless experience using technology in the restaurant, like ordering on their phone, have that come out and, and under, and showing them why when someone does that, you actually like can build a better relationship with them long-term because you get their information. You, you have like, you know what their behaviors are. You get what I call this metadata that's tied to this guest that you don't really get when you, have like just a credit card swipe or you, or you don't get that information from them. And so I think you can actually, through these changes, even though they feel counterintuitive to hospitality, it can actually help restaurants deliver a better hospitality experience um, by like, you know, almost like knowing, just knowing that guest a lot better and being able to accommodate them and provide better service. So um, those are kind of the pivots that we've made around like e-commerce, online ordering, and then how does that apply apply to dine-in during this time? I'm a big advocate. One of the things I talk about on the show a lot is that having a data-driven perspective, which is not something normal or traditional within the industry, but it, it it can sure up your success. I mean, just in having the analytics that you guys provide on the back end of the website, you get yeah. to know your individual customers better, but then you're also able to see customer trends, which, I, yeah. which I, I think is incredibly valuable, especially in this moment of great change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one example that I always like to talk about is there's this restaurant in Seattle called um, Buddha Brada, and they're, um, they were using our online ordering um, when the pandemic started. And they were able to grow that revenue stream because they knew on their website, because of the data that we gave them, that a lot of their visitors came from Facebook. And so they knew Facebook was a huge channel for them. They started investing in Facebook ads and they were able to grow their online ordering, you know, March, April, May so much that they were able to like hire back most of their staff. And it's like, you know, you can't argue with that. That is like great that this restaurant was able to like stay in business, um, support their community. um, And, that that wouldn't have happened if they didn't have that data. Well, and there's hospitable tech and then there's inhospitable tech, right? Yeah. And it is it is possible, despite conventional wisdom, that, that you can leverage tech to bring more hospitality to the experience. That yeah. through data, you're able to create a more personalized experience for your guests. And, and through knowing what they're interested in, you're able to give them more of what they want. Yeah. Um, instead of yeah. flying blind, which I think is a huge value to the platform. Yeah, I agree. I've, you know, you are speaking my language right now. <laughs> That's why I had you on the show. <laughs> I, I, I really am. I'm a huge fan. I, my, my next question revolves around like something actionable. So 
What do you think are the essential elements of a successful restaurant website? Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I'm trying to, let me narrow it down to maybe three things I'd say. Um, one is I always tell the cost of our websites are pretty affordable. I mean, if you, if you compare it to, you know, the monthly cost of Squarespace, of course that it's, it's much more than that. But the thing is you got to build a restaurant website yourself on Squarespace. So, or like a Wix. So, um, if you consider, you know, how much you would pay to get a professional, to get something up and running, our websites are very affordable for the quality that you're getting. Um, and, I always, uh, and what we say at Bento Box is always, if you're going to spend a lot of money on anything, spend it on photography. And so I think good photography is just so critical and so important and something that really accurately reflects the the restaurant. Um, and we always have like a bunch of tips and tricks. I mean, this is a little weird saying now, but showing the restaurant when it's like busy, not when it's empty. Mm-hmm. So people get a sense of the vibe, you know, that's what people want to know, like, how are people dressed? What, it, you know, who, and things like that. Um, so photography is so important. And I know that's like, not necessarily the website, but it, these days, it makes up a massive portion of what the oh, website yeah. actually is. So that's, if you're going to spend money on anything, spend it on that. Um, second is to ensure that as much as possible, um, is editable text, you know? So whether that is like the way you're promoting events, you know, some people just post a flyer up there and the text isn't scannable or obviously, you know, with menus, if it's an image or a PDF, um, you really want to make sure that as much information as possible is just like scannable text so that your search engine optimization is like top notch and that these, um, you know, the crawlers and the search engines can, can read it. That makes a huge difference. It also helps with site speed. Uh, it helps with mobile like um, speed as well. And so there's so many benefits. And so it's really important to make sure that everything is like as, as much HTML text as possible and, and built properly. And, um, you know, and that gives you also the option to be able to like edit it very easily um, rather than having to have like graphics made and big PDFs swapped out every time. And then the last thing I would say is to not think of your website. I think it's a huge missed opportunity. If you think of your website as like just a brochure, it just has the pictures, it just has the menus, you know, it has our contact information and a map and that's it. This is really, I think, this resonates probably, I probably don't even need to say this anymore. I think it used to be something I said, but you know, off-premise revenue matters so much right now and it's going to continue to matter and it's very like high margin type of revenue for a restaurant and to be able to own that and drive that type of revenue yourself through a digital property that you own the same way that you drive revenue through a brick and mortar property you got to we got to start thinking about websites in this way um, and not just brochures because it makes it makes a huge difference even if it's just a you know, a couple thousand a month or like, you know, 20, 30,000, which is what we're, we see a lot of our, you know, customers bring in. And that's, that's huge. That's like, if you, you know, think oh about, yeah. yeah, through a year, you know, you know, it's, it's not too far off from like what an average re- restaurant brings in in a year. So, um, yeah, I think those are the three things that I would say are the, are the most important ones. The last one becoming just more important than ever during this time. 
Well, and another thing that I wanted to bring up, just because I don't think it gets any attention in the industry, and it's something that nobody thinks about until the day they get sued. Um, oh, yeah. Is ADA compliance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it, we've luckily seen that go down slightly. I think people have maybe being a lot, you know, more uh, more empathetic given what's going on. But yeah, AD, I'm, it sounds like you've gone through this experience. I, I know several people that have actually yeah. been sued because of it. Um, but can you kind of yeah. talk about the importance of it, how it functions on a website and what people should be aware mm-hmm. of? Because all of the bento box sites are ADA compliant. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, and so what that means is that someone that is visually impaired um, can navigate the website properly with, you know, what is a screen reader. So um, basically that means that like they're able to tab through the website and they understand like every the hierarchy of everything makes sense. All of the text, like I said before, is plain text. They should have mentioned that that helps with ADA as well. And just that the structure of the site lends itself like forms are able to be filled out, you know, if someone is visually impaired um, and they have like tags on them that properly identify them. So there's a lot of like very highly technical things that go into this. And then unfortunately, what's been happening is that, you know, litigators have been going and and targeting, especially like well-known and high value restaurants and trying to find anything that goes against this. And you know, really, and and looking for some sort of settlement. And it's been very costly. And it's been very unfair. Um, not saying that. Obviously, we want to make sure that websites are accessible and that um, we're everyone is able to, you know, um, access you know all the information. But the way that the lawsuits were have been happening is almost like there has been like a a deliberate, you know not letting people access and and that's not that obviously that's not what's happening right. um and so so um so yeah so we basically first of all the templates are um you know certified accessible and then you can get higher level higher levels of like monitoring because every time you make a change you have like the, there's a possibility that it falls out of compliance so we have like additional levels of monitoring um, if you're interested in a higher level and you make a lot of changes to the website. But yeah, it's been an an unfortunate, necessary evil um, throughout the industry. It's important. You know, I think accessibility is very important, but just the way that litigators have gone about it is just so, you know, unsavory, I'd say. You feel targeted. You really do. Yeah, it, you it's, are. And it's well, exactly. And there's, you know, there's enough fear kind of wrapped up in owning and operating a restaurant because you are just shrouded in liability all yeah. day, every day. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's just one more layer. Um, you sit in an yeah. interesting position in the way that you are, you, you have probably witnessed a number of your clients shut down, but you have also watched a number of your clients thrive. So, you know, in, in dealing with the harsh realities of COVID, um, I'm sure there's some optimism there, right? And seeing new ways of doing business and, and seeing people adjust, people pivot and people thrive. Yeah. And it is an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to talk directly to the industry. Looking through that lens, do you have any advice or words of encouragement for the folks listening? Yeah, I mean, I think that it is, I firmly believe, if 
if I didn't believe that this industry was going to come back and be stronger than ever, then I probably wouldn't be continuing to run a business that was focused on this industry. So I think that we're all, I, I would want every restaurant owner to know that like, we at Bento Box are behind you. We have like over 80, 85% of our team has worked in the hospitality industry. So um, they know what it takes day in and day out. And it's always been very, very difficult, um, you know, ruling industry to work with and, and now more than ever. And so whether it's, you know, you actually need help on website or online ordering, or if it's just to, you know, ha- have an ear to talk to, which I promise you our support and customer service team has, has done that many times that we're here for you and that we really believe in the comeback of this industry. That's Crystal Mobiani. For more on Bento Box, go to getbento.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp. Full Comp.